everyone and welcome to BYOB, Bring Your Own Blockbuster. Uh, it's a joy to be back with you once again. Uh, ben Haynes here alongside me, the master of disaster. And <laughs> I say that in a very literal sense off the back oh. of Jack Hussey having been to Glastonbury. How was it, sir? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's there's no way around it. It's pretty heavy, mate. I'm, I'm feeling it right now. But being there for, for Elton John felt like a felt like uh, one of those historical moments mate you know and I'm seeing so a lot of people jealous. talk about it afterwards like it's uh it wasn't lost on us let's say that it wasn't lost on us at the time you were standing there thinking like wow this is something pretty massive you know? yeah it that it was really i was watching on tv and i have to say i was green with envy like i, I don't know whether did you tweet saying is there anyone else in the world that has this many bangers or something to that I, I still think I, I, I kind of some people said Michael Jackson some people said David I think Dead Michael Jackson maybe there's an argument I've seen some people say David Bowie not for me I don't think I'm not buying that ABBA maybe but possibly but for but the, universal appeal for longevity and just for the sheer I mean when you go through that set every single one of those banger, tunes is a banger banger, banger. And like, everyone knows all the words yeah it just was completely just absolutely incredible like you said seeing every single person on their the, the area have you looked back at the aerial shots of it yeah it's mad isn't it incredible well i can tell you one thing that wasn't incredible mate is in the middle of the gig if you needed the toilet <laughs> oh. that's, that's that's one of the things they don't tell you about you know going to Glasgow. it's the first time i've ever been to Glastonbury. been to a couple of other music festivals before but none to that scale and yeah, needing it's 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 a write off. You have to try and empty beforehand. Um, so there's there's a nice little. But bit then of info you also want to get a couple of beers down you, don't you, while you're watching? Well, that's it. Well, do, do you know what, mate? We had a uh, bit of box wine. That's oh what we had yes, on. please. Yeah. Bit of box red. Oh, that is so lovely. It's oh, quite man, the vibe, I'm, you know. Quite you the had vibe. a good time though, right? You would like you would absolutely recommend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely would. Get there early on a Wednesday. Get yourself a good camping spot. Hitchin Hill is where we stayed. Because it's kind of, it's not too far from the action, but it's far away enough that you can get a decent night's sleep, should you desire. Um, it's, it's good time, though. It's good time. Although, in oh, saying that, you know, it's the first time I've ever been, a lot of people were complaining that it's too busy now. They've They've started up in the attendance and everything, but... I don't know. You know, yes. I get it. People say it's gentrified. It's this, it's that, but it's still, it's a good experience, you know, and it's not, and not everyone is walking around in Hunter Wellies and talking about Waitrose, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good fun, you know. As that classic thing of everyone being, oh, it's not like it used to be. It yeah, used to be great. You know, you know, and then people like me start going. <laughs> <laughs> then the wrong ones turned up. Yeah, exactly. The ruffians yeah, come and ruin it with your, with your Tesco's placky bags. <laughs> 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 Have you recovered then? Are you back up to semi-health? No. No, definitely not. I um, I, I think just from a product of being quite run down, I think, you know, just from a few days of revelry, shall we say, and not much sleep, lots of walking about, um, probably less than hygienic conditions, what with the toilets and everything. Mm. So I've been a bit been a bit delicate the past few days, let's put yeah. it that way. Um, Paying for it now. 
Yeah, a bit. And I think I think there's a bit of an emotional come down as well, right? You know, so Yeah, well I I I get very, very soppy now at these types of things. I get really quite when I go to a festival or go to a gig, particularly if it's someone I went with like I said in the pod the other week when I see Bruce Springsteen. Mm. I found myself just getting like massively emotional with the fact that there's like it was at Villa Park, so I think it was like 40,000 people, 50,000 people just singing his songs back to yeah. him. It's something quite spiritual about it that, I, that did a lot for me, um, which I definitely didn't appreciate when I was younger. And then now it's like, oh, this is special. And then you find yourself the next day a bit flat. Yeah. It's funny, you say that like we had um, on the Saturday. Lizzo performed right and my missus absolutely loves her you know I know a few of her tunes she was absolutely fucking fantastic performance wise like brilliant and she just had this moment where she was saying like you know Glastonbury I've performed here before in I think she said like 2017 I played in a little tent over there maybe about 10 people came to watch me and I put on the show as best I could but that hurts you know and now I'm standing here and she was on the pyramid stage in front of like, you know, what, 100,000 people. And you could tell she was like fighting back the tears. She was just like, you cannot believe how much this means. Like somebody like me isn't supposed to be here. And wow, like this is. And you kind of you really felt that from her. You really felt that she was being genuine. And then suddenly you have these moments of like, fuck, man, like it sounds, it sounds it's such a trite thing to say, but you still find yourself you still catch yourself thinking they're just people. At the end of, they're people who have worked hard at a job a profession, and then suddenly they're having that moment of like, "Fuck, I, I've made it. I'm here." Very wow. present in that yeah. moment, right? Really yeah. hyper present because of the experiences they've had before. It's lovely, man. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I, I still will watch. I don't know whether you do this, but I still will watch back live performances from. Glastonbury's from like 10 years ago. Yeah, that's cool, just, isn't it? It's just lovely sort of getting to, to have that all over again. But I'm assuming, I'm assuming given your very busy week, that you haven't made it to the cinema this week. I haven't. There was actually, there is a cinema on site at Glastonbury. No way. Yeah, there is. Yeah, but we didn't. And it shows stuff that's, you know, it had like um, Asteroid City there. They had Renfield there, but I didn't, no, we didn't, we didn't make it to it in the end. And we were going to, the Saturday was very hot. We were thinking about going during the day, but just didn't materialise. So, you know, no, I haven't been to the cinema yet. But I have, uh, can I tell you one thing I have done with regard to a cinema though? Hit me. I have today booked my tickets the opening day of Oppenheimer at the IMAX in London. Oh, 8 a.m., wow. mate. 8 a.m. You're joking. <laughs> that is so that is- cool. And it went live today. I should have done Is it for uh, like Odium members only? No, no. Because it's, it's BFI. That's the BFI IMAX. I've, I've, it's right, it, okay. I think, yeah, Odeon, I don't think Odeon have got anything to do with it anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I booked that first thing. It would already, you know, so they've got a showing at, I think, just past midnight. Then they got one at 4 a.m., then one at 8 a.m. Wow. Then basically anything after 8 a.m. is completely no booked or front row. And I don't want to become the meme <laughs> with yeah. Oppenheimer. Do, do, do you think um, Do you think this will be one of those that lives up to it because I'm so excited and I'm almost getting to that point where I've come out the other side now I'm like oh please don't let me down I I have faith in I have faith in Nolan I do and I have fa- I have faith in Murphy as well I yeah. think he's 
I think he's one of the best of this generation. About time um, that you got one of these, isn't it? Oh yeah, 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 big time, big time. Because I know, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but even if there's one thing you can appreciate in Peaky Blinders, it's got to be him because he's oh, he's phenomenal. spectacular. You know, he's, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, and we've also for the same day. So we don't have this dilemma. We've also booked Barbie as well. <laughs> oh, double bill. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah, some big Barbie. films coming yeah. up, man. Just Mission quickly, what do you, yeah. does Asteroid City do it for you? Are you going to give that a go? You know what, mate? I have always loved Wes Anderson. I've always loved him. And the past few years, I've just kind of gone off the idea of it a bit. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm finding his stuff a bit too stylized or like yeah. he's kind of he's almost kind of like becoming Wes Anderson making Wes Anderson movies if yeah, you know what I mean yeah a bit of a meme almost like people doing stuff on Instagram being like I went to the zoo in the style of Wes Anderson yeah like, and he hates that as well which I can yeah, understand like totally and a lot of the AI stuff but I, you know I think I will I will watch it um, I didn't watch his last film. I can't even remember the name of it now. Um, the one that was all the little kind of vignettes, the various different little stories. Um, the French Dispatch, was it? I can't remember. I mean, the yeah, one the, for the me. The French is... Dispatch, yeah, that was it. Yeah, the French Dispatch. The one um, I always come back to is Grand Budapest Hotel. I loved that film yeah, so it much. I thought it was brilliant. It? So, fantastic. so good. And the, and the soundtrack, man. The soundtrack on that movie. Like yeah, brilliant. that was very, very good. Um, I actually saw Ray Fiennes the other day walking, um, just walking along at Liverpool Street. Seriously? Yeah, and I had Were a you proper, terrified? yeah, <laughs> genuinely frightened, like really quite scared. But also, just I don't feel like it's appropriate for the gods to be walking among the mortals. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. I sort of just stood there in like revered silence, like yeah, I, I, uh, you are. Mm in the in the stratosphere and I'm I really should be at least two to three meters from you to not even come close to your aura. So you mean you didn't feel like going up to him and shouting like a Vodakadovra or something like that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so good man. Honestly, I loved it so much. Uh, like the Harry Potter films have got a very special place for me because I I loved the books as a kid. Absolutely loved the books as a kid. The and films I, are fantastic. Like I still, they still do something for me, you know. I like. Yeah. I, I think if you watch back number one and number two, you'd probably be like, "Oof, this is a bit like iffy." But because of the charm of what it is and what it represents to that kind of era of your life, I still remember reading the books and like t turning the pages in the book and it being fresh, like the smell of the book being fresh, because you were so keen to kind of you're so keen to get through it because you didn't want to get the book spoiled by other people like people were desperate like spoilers were still around then but it was just yeah. like the harry potter books people would speed read them do you remember this i do yeah yeah there would be like groups of people trying to speed read the entire book in like four hours or something crazy like that it was it was it was wild but have, have you i wondered have you ever come across because a mutual friend of ours has um has got a great story on this have you ever come across like an actor in real life that you've really, really admired that you've just been like, I kind of need, I, I sort of need to go over to them and just say that I'm a massive fan. Oh, um, no, do you know what? I, I, I haven't really spotted that many famous people in my time to be, <laughs> to be brutally honest with you. Maybe I'm just not look, keeping an eye out enough, but, um, I, I do wonder, I think, well, if after this summer's antics, I probably wouldn't, but one famous person I really would just, 
no holds barred have gone up and probably hugged was Maurizio Pochettino. But yeah, yeah, I don't think not that one, not anymore. But I mean, like now that of, you've oh. now that you've burnt his book and gone viral, <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if he had seen that? Imagine um, you come I, up I, to I, him like, Dad, can I have a hug? And he's just like, No, <laughs> you burnt my fucking book. <laughs> uh, I, I, it, it might be the main character syndrome I'm talking here, but I have sort of wondered if somebody like ahead of like the, our game with him is going to say, Did you see one of the fans has burnt your book? Like, mate, in a press I'm telling conference. you now, he's seen it. He's seen it a hundred percent. And he'll Unavoidable. Be sad, he? He's seen it because his, his assistant will have definitely seen that. Um, I've got a great story for you um, about a mutual friend of ours that saw an actor in the street, and I don't know if yeah. he's told you this. Oh, I won't maybe. reveal his name because, because it, just in case he wouldn't want us to say this. But he once saw Hugo weaving. Re- <laughs> yeah. do, do you know this story? No, I don't. But he once can you give me a code name just so I can picture the scene? Uh, karaoke. Um, oh, okay. So he, he oh, once okay. saw Hugo Weaving sitting <laughs> drinking a coffee and just reading the paper, and he said he couldn't help himself. He just he was walking away, and he got about ten yards from him, and then just did an instant like stationary emergency stop. Is like it's Hugo Weaving. I got I got to tell him. I got to tell him, and just went straight over to him. And went Hugo Weaving. Absolutely love you, mate. <laughs> and then just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can just ha- picture that so clearly as well. Like, if you, like, I mean, if anyone has any of these stories from a time when they have gone up and sort of just embarrassed themselves in front of a, a major celebrity, then we would love to hear those. Because uh, I think one of the things that's really tough is that in your mind, you think it's going to be totally normal and winning and charming to go over and then you get there and you just freeze and you're like, oh my God, I've got nothing to say to this person and I have no idea really who they are. I've just seen them on a big screen a couple of times. It's, it's funny, one of my, um, I've got a, sort of a similar-ish one where one of my, one of my ex's like old father um stepfathers was a big fan of van morrison is he definitely isn't the type of person that would go and talk to a celebrity but similar to our karaoke friend he uh <laughs> was like oh, a big fan of it i just have to say something and they were he, he was in a in a little chef by the motorway <laughs> do you know what i mean that's where they'd stopped and so he, van morrison was there eating his dinner he just he said sorry to disturb you but you know i'm a big fan Van Morrison just started to fuck off, <laughs> <laughs> and he said like, st- <laughs> said straight away he was like, yeah, yeah, fair enough, cool. That yeah. is fucking yeah. brilliant. Just straight up, just fuck off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, little I, chef. Uh, <laughs> do they still exist? Me I don't know. I don't know because I know the the services are called Road Chef Services. Some yeah. of them. So I wonder whether it's the same company. Little chef. That is just sensational. Uh, but mate, I'm digressing us so much. Here. Go gonna, on, well, go yeah, on. Have Have you Have you been to the cinema this week, mate? Yes. So I did go to cinema this week. Oh, well, so hello. options were. Um, I don't know if Asteroid City would technically come out. I still need to see the new Spider-Man. I'm not 100% sure on where I sit on the Flash just yet. Mm -hmm. So those were kind of the options. And then I went, me and the missus went a bit left field and we're like, should we go and see this kind of no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence? Um, Very, very kind of light, easy watching, 
popcorn style film that you pretty much know what you're getting from the trailer now, I don't know do you like these kind of films are they your bag or do you despise absolutely love them mate I Brilliant. absolutely love super bad like 40 year old virgin totally. all that stuff it's Knocked completely uh, it's, they're great mate they're absolutely great so easy and I was amazing. excited about this one because there hasn't been one of these for years like what's the, what was the last that. big one Bridesmaids probably which was yeah. brilliant as well I thought that and the, the ones that kind of come to my mind as well that are kind of of this ilk that could fit into that category but I remember this is sort of going back a few years but I remember No Strings Attached and Friends of oh. Benefits which one was J- No Strings is that Jason Segel on No Strings so Attached so No Strings Attached was Ashton Kutcher and Natalie okay. Portman then Friends with Benefits was Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake and then you had I mean then you sort of had all of these kind of knocked up was um uh, Seth Rogen Seth Rogen and, and Catherine Heigl is that right? I think Hegel? so Heigl um, uh, yeah so then you then you had the Forgetting Elizabeth, Sarah Marshall Forgetting Sarah Marshall like I love these kind of setups you know I, I really really enjoy it's quite a simple setup basically that was Mila Kunis as well wasn't it? Forgetting Sarah yeah, Marshall yeah it was actually and um, uh, yeah you, you get these really basic setups where in this one Jennifer Lawrence plays a character that is essentially out of work, has got no way of earning cash. She's inherited a, a house from her mum who's passed away and she wants to keep hold of the house and she can't afford to keep it off tax payments. Super simple plot. She's an Uber driver to make ends meet and a bartender and then her car gets um, basically towed because she's foregone a, a load of payments on tax and stuff. And so she tries to earn money by taking up this incredibly wealthy family's offer to <laughs> date their son. And when they say date him, they mean try and shag him to bring yeah, him out yeah. of his shell. And like date him the, hard, they say on the trailer. Yeah, don't they? Exactly, exactly. And you sort of go in and you think, oh, maybe they won't go that far. Maybe they won't kind of go, go. but that she goes, Jennifer Lawrence, I have to give her so much credit for this. She goes all in with it. She's like, right, fuck it. Let's let's take this thing, run with it. Take it as far as I possibly can to the point where she's being unbelievably, hilariously inappropriate to this 19 year old kid. And she's 34 or whatever. Um, and there's a scene I, I'm going to spoiler alert, but there's a scene where they go skinny dipping and she's trying to doink him in the sea and he's afraid of jellyfish and stuff like that. So she can't actually get him to get excited. And then a load of people steal their clothes from the beach and she comes <laughs> charging out of the sea, stark as naked and starts beating the shit out of these kids that are stolen their clothes. <laughs> and it's just, and you're like, and my missus turned to me at the time and she's like, Jennifer Lawrence, actually naked there beating the crap out of those kids and i was like surely not i found that afterwards apparently that was, she did the whole thing and i'm like you you have to give credit to someone like jennifer lawrence she's done silver linings playbook she's done i know mother great wasn't film. great fun like it was a bit weird and a bit shit but she that film is taking itself incredibly seriously do you know what i mean yeah well, so i then, mean we were talking about um Harry Potter, the the Hunger Games films as well. Obviously, Hunger right? Games, yeah, and I mean she is she is mass she's huge. She's a kind of she's an actress now that if you said we try and, we want to try and get a bit of a banker here, who's someone who's fairly fairly decent value for for mm. their kind of if we put them at the at the front and center of it, it should perform well. I would say she's up there. The fact that she's prepared to like 
be in a film that's this fun, this light, and just like really run with it. It's it's brilliant, mate. It's so good. I, how, many, how many popcorns are you giving it? Four, four popcorns. I'll Oy. never, I'll never watch it again. Like I'm never going to sit down and be like, oh, I'd love to watch No Hard Feelings. But it's Wait, how, really... if, if it's on telly at Christmas, would you? And you're, you're flicking through. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I could pick it up halfway through as well. Okay, yeah. One of those where I like I'm jumping it halfway through and and really enjoy it. Lots of laughs. I, I comfortably feel like you're ticking along and laughing as you're going. And some of it is so outrageous. And I quite like outrageous comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I quite like that scene where she is beating up small children completely <laughs> naked whilst this other guy's skinny dipping still in the sea screaming for help like it really is like it, it to me i was in hysterics there's probably other people who will find that i was a bit silly but i, I loved it and i would highly recommend it if you a friday night film if you're like oh, i don't fancy anything too heavy definitely 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 worth Might a go watch this friday then and I think Jennifer Lawrence as well. She, she, you know, she's the lead character, right? But she is totally dominant. She just steal everything she's in. She's every scene that she's in within this. She's brilliant. Apart from one scene where the the other lead character, I don't know his name, but he sings a, a kind of stripped back version of Man Eater, and it's <laughs> actually surprisingly amazing. So, really do you good. think it's uh, made? with our kind of generation in mind, sort of millennials who have grown up on those, like we said before, super bad, knocked up type movies. Yeah, no, I, I, I really, really do. And I don't, if you might go and say, I don't want to spoil this, but there is an amazing setup where this kid that she's trying to date and trying to sleep with, um, he gets a bit tipsy having never drunk before and decides to go to a house party and she has to enter into the house party to go and retrieve him. But it's like that feeling. You remember that feeling when you like, you're maybe kind of mid to late twenties and you, you have a couple of drinks at the pub and then someone really stupid is like, should we just go to the club tonight? And you're like, yeah, screw it. I've had a couple of drinks. I'll go. And then you get to the club and you're like, what on earth am I doing here? Like yeah. you look around, it's Everyone basically children and you're <laughs> yeah. like, get me out of here immediately. And she kind of has this experience, but not only does she have the experience of going in and kind of seeing this party firsthand and being completely out of place, but generationally everything's moved on so no one's drinking so she's kind of like getting into fights and arguments and sort of works her way through this party while kids are like filming her and putting her on tiktok and stuff it's it's, <laughs> it's it is like you said it's like a perfect encapsulation of someone of our gen how we would react to those situations and she's she's class but Love yeah it. so considering it's such a simple movie i've given that a massive massive setup but it was really really good mate so um uh yeah we, we couldn't like I, I will park that now before i spend the entire pod talking about because we've got a great film to talk about this week can you tell us what you chose even though everyone knows there's a lot of them but it's the 2002 spider-man um, Sam Raimi's Sam Raimi's yeah Spider Dash Man because um, <laughs> we were talking about Into the Spider Verse the other week we think we've spoken about the God which I don't even know which iteration it is the multiverse the other multiverse Spider Man where Tobey Maguire's Spider Man makes a reappearance and I thought what we're going to Glastonbury I'm probably going to want something light and fun to watch when I get back and that's exactly what this was um, I'm going to say up front mate 
It was an absolute delight to revisit this one, I Wasn't thought. Wasn't it just? Wasn't yeah, it just? You were happy, I got yeah. so much from it. And it reminded me that it was a film that I had on... It was one of the few that I did have on DVD as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would have watched it to the point of kind of like just it knowing almost word for word and it was it was lovely mate absolutely lovely and so much in this you know it was a really really enjoyable enjoyable watch still now you know even though you know what's coming it's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal i i I, um yeah really really got a lot from it this week which is brilliant I, i would think i might go as far as to say this was the film that I've enjoyed watching back the most so far. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's kind nice. of weird, right? Because it's not like you said. It's this is not like a this is not a film that you go like right. Okay, I've got to really get settled in here so that I can try and understand everything again. Yeah. It's like, it does exactly what it says on the tin, but I loved it. I loved it, mate. It was it was so good, and I I kind of found myself watching back scenes even after I finished. So it was brilliant, brilliant, mate. That intro. Well, well, we'll talk about that. Let's 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 not jump ahead of ourselves. What you got to do first, mate? Let's right, be having you. I'm ready. Is, I want to give us spoil good guys. this film in sixty seconds, and I, I, I'm I'm expecting you know a uh, a performance akin to that of our web slinging friend here, mate. I, I need some agility. I need some fast kind of movement here. That would that would yeah whatever. Yeah, just fucking I'm, spoil the film in sixty seconds, mate. All right, count me in. I'm I'm on this one. All right, Purdy, cue the music. And a three, and a two, and a one. Okay, Tobey Maguire plays Peter Parker. We all know the story of Peter Parker. Gets bitten by a radioactive spider, uh, and it basically gives him enhanced abilities that the the spider has sort of gathered over the course of the genetic enhancement. So super fast, can shoot webs. He's got great reflexes. And the thing that we will all remember from when we first watched this film is Spider-Sense, because everyone used to go around the playground and go, ooh, Spider-Sense, as if you might be able to have some sort of precognition about danger coming your way. 30 seconds. His nemesis in this one is Green Goblin, played by Willem Dafoe, who is phenomenal. He's so scary. He does this whole kind of like dual character thing, which is absolutely incredible as he's losing his mind his son Harry best mates with Peter Parker falls in love with MJ played by Kirsten Dunst who Peter Parker's also in love with over the course of the film we basically see Peter Parker Spider-Man scrapping it out with Green Goblin they get to the end Peter Parker wins a day by essentially killing the Green Goblin delivering him back to Harry and then kissing MJ who realises that maybe he's Spider-Man one minute that was that was phenomenal mate. Sufficient. that phenomenal. was like German engineering on that one man I, but I love like I said I do love this film this is kind of cheating because I sort of know this film like inside out I, I I know I've already said about it but let's let's kick off with that Go on. that what you were about to say how happy were you when you turned it on and you hear the score kick in it's like it's like a bongo drum isn't it it's amazing amazing Danny Elfman do you know what I mean amazing Danny Elfman doing what he does best that kind of frenetic kind of exciting the graphics even then at the time I remember as a kid watching that and being like this is so cool it's like the way they kind of hang in the web don't they yeah yeah and and they don't waste much time do they you kind of into the you're kind of into the thrust of the film really quite quick 
Well, what, what, what I was, was going to say to you though is, do, do you not like feel that this whole the whole kind of thing there of having the the what is it the pre credits if you like the opening credits is kind of a dead thing now. You, I don't yeah. really see that in movies anymore, mate. I there was a few bits like that that I thought this is a film that has got something in it that's that's kind of now been completely removed from the norm of what films do. I mean, yeah. we're going to come on to talk about it later on anyway, but I think could skip forward to it now. For example, it jumped out at me. Do you remember in films, you used to just get a random cameo from a, a musician and they would sing a song <laughs> yeah. and it would just like Macy Gray. I was like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah. Macy Gray, what yeah. are you doing here? Like, how yeah. have you, how have you just managed it? Like, and she's not even, I don't think she think that she's singing a song that was actually one of her, songs if that makes sense i think it was but you'd imagine it's a sony i'd imagine she's a sony artist or something and they just wanted to slot her in yeah because she was big at that point as well right enormous is she still big now i think she's sort of more in the legend status isn't she really like she's she's cat stevens yeah yeah um see see her on sunday afternoon yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what do you like? Do you remember much about like when this film first got released? Do you remember like the excitement around the being a Spider-Man film for the first time? Because Spider-Man has been one of those films that you know it was notoriously it was the tough nut to crack. Nobody yeah, was really yeah, able yeah. to do it because sh- of sh- you know technological limitations. Shall I share another little thing that bounced out at me? There are shades of the conversation about... Do you remember we had the chat about Casino Royale and Daniel Craig being James Bond? There were shades of that here, weren't there, as well, if I remember correctly? Like, people being like, oh, is Tobey Maguire really Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I remember sort of probably thinking that myself as well. You know, he's. He, it was another again where Leonardo DiCaprio was heavily tipped to take the role as well. Really? Yeah, he yeah, just they're, they're really good mates, aren't they? Then, Are they? Yeah, they're like really close pals. And I think that probably goes back to Gatsby, right? Maybe, maybe before that. But, um, Potentially. They probably they're all really go good to buds. the same parties, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, he was he was brilliant, though. I, I loved it from the, from the moment you first see him. Like, he, again, I, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to apologise in advance if I do. Do you keep me in, in line here? But I, I just, for me, he is Spider-Man. He's just spot that spider. That's the image I have of Spider Man. It seems to be a very funny thing that's done by age, isn't it? Because I see, I see a lot of people on Twitter say, "To me, Andrew Garfield is Spider Man." You know, like, and I I don't see that at all. I don't even no. think I've watched the Andrew Garfield Spider Man films. If I'm brutally honest with you, not all. Um, I don't, definitely, did he do three? I I couldn't tell you. Honestly. Yeah, see, this is the thing. But I not I remember vividly going through the I actually it was a really fun thing that I did over the last few days I watched back Toby this is something that I want to get nostalgic about and I'm hoping that you actually know know what I mean by this did you ever used to sit down and watch Friday Night with Jonathan Ross yeah 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 of course and they had four puffs and a piano yeah. And it would always be like, what was the song they were going to sing and stuff? And I uh, like they had a spider themed song and for Tobey Maguire. And I watched back his interviews that he did with Jonathan Ross promoting every one of the Spider-Man films that he did. 
Oh, really? He is such an awkward badger. He's not in. He's not a charismatic. Really? Like he's not like one of these all singing or dancing. He just really quite. Have you seen that meme of him? Was his thing that became a meme? It's basically him at the airport, and he's looking over at. So they've got the three Spider-Men on their way to a shoot and they're all getting on a similar flight, I think. <laughs> and they're, and they're, they've been papped at the same time. And like the first two, Garfield and Tom Holland, is it? Like they, they're like really wavy, really smiley. And then it cuts to Tobey Maguire. He's just got the death stare on his face. Just, don't <laughs> look, look at, at me. That now. Find that now. It's so good. You won't look at him, mate. You're being hysterics because it's literally like, show me a man who cannot stand people taking his picture. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Ultimate death stare, isn't it? Amazing. Oh, but my I, God. I didn't realise. I didn't realise that he, they made him not too dissimilar to someone else, uh, Christian Bale. Do you remember we spoke about Christian Bale like basically waiting around and like director being like, by the way, you're my lead character. And then the studio being like, no, you're not. So he had exactly the same thing as Christian Bale on this. So he did six months of just getting wham um, because Sam Remy wanted to, was like, you're going to be my Spider-Man, but the studio weren't having it. And then they made him screen test. Really? And yeah, so then he did this screen test and they gave him a kind of like almost like a leotard type thing to wear. And he was like, this is not going to show off how well I've prepared for this. So he just ripped it down and did it only with the bottom half of the sort of unitard thing that he had on. And I mean, we see early on in the film, he is in unreal shape. Yeah, yeah. Like the, how, I mean, how good is that reveal when he first gets bitten and it, he wakes up the next day and he's suddenly like ripped? I remember that at the time, I remember thinking, I was like, that's the Nick I, like, I would dream of being in. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what it is. Not, it's, t it's tapping into that teenage boy kind of like fantasy yes. in a way, isn't it? Like, he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's got the six pack. He's got, a, you know, he's more endowed downstairs. That's what we come to understand, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. Big change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really and I love good. the line he says, "I'm fine," you know. <laughs> yeah, and and suddenly doesn't need his specky glasses anymore, and which has become the meme now as well, hasn't it? The glasses one. Yeah, yeah. God, you forget, don't you? That these these little things that have kind of there's so many things in this film that actually were quite. I remember this film being quite era defining. I remember this being a big, big part of the early noughties. Well, big time, yeah. I mean, do do you do you know much about the kind of the the journey to get there to to get this no, Spider Man film? No, fill me now? in. I'd love to hear. Well, I, I know that so Marvel had worked with Marvel were desperate for a long time to get their kind of superhero movies made. Right, you'd seen DC have Batman movies made. They've had Superman movies made. And it so, felt would like, the DCs you know, have been hmm. with your kind of Kilmer and um, uh, God? Well, is gonna, Mike, Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton first. Keaton, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you had George Clooney, obviously after that. I think it was George Clooney, was it, or was it? No, it was Val Kilmer. Oh, Val after Kilmer that. first, and then George Clooney then George did Clooney. Batman Forever, and yeah, no, Val Kilmer was Batman Forever. I think was Bat right. Okay, D then because I remember one. Where George Clooney it was Mr. Freeze with Arnold Schwarzenegger, wasn't it? Yeah, Batman and Robin. 
Batman and Robin, right, okay. With Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy, yeah, then Jim yeah. Carrey as the Riddler, which is actually a yeah. phenomenal casting because yeah. he, he was probably yeah, the best yeah. thing about that. But anyway, so DC had had that run. So it's had that run. Marvel were desperately trying to work with various different studios. They worked with a couple of studios um, in like the 80s and the 90s to try and get a Spider-Man film made because he was, he was, you know, I think one, I mean, sure, maybe a comic book aficionado would pick me up on this, but I would say prior to the Avengers and everything in this era, Spider-Man historically has always been Marvel's biggest property, I'd say, from the outside as somebody that's not fully in tune with the comics. I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah right. Everyone knows Spider-Man. Um, and I, I believe that, like, it, they just, for a long time could not it was so like i said they had these they had sort of battles where they sold part of the rights to different film companies who just couldn't get the film made they just couldn't get it made to a to a proper point i think they had a lot of legal battles with i think i want to say mgm they had a big right. legal battle with because <clears throat> they wanted to kind of rescind the contract that they had with one another because they weren't able to make the movie in the end but Ultimately, like Sony came in, dropped a whole load of cash and said, look, we're going to make Spider-Man movies with you. We've got the tech now. We've got the know-how and we can really kind of make a sort of superhero movie unlike anything anyone's seen before. Of and so, like you say, we've kind of we ha had a bit of it with Batman Forever, but even Batman, like the energy, the movement isn't quite the same as... As what, as what you see now and again I know it, it, this is part of this podcast right as us being the old ball bags looking back on this stuff but again I remember being what 16, 17 when this came out watching this Spider-Man movie and again yeah everyone now has seen all these Avengers movies and stuff but at this point nobody had made a movie like this like this Spider-Man film the way he was like swinging around New York City the kind of the movement the action all of it was it was pretty mind-blowing Right, they re and I feel that it, it was right place, right time, wouldn't you say? Like they really totally. captured the energy of Spider-Man with this film. Totally, and and also when I watched this back, I know. I mean, we'll come on to talk about how it's aged, but when I watched this back, I did. I I felt like it was you watched it as almost like a weirdly periody style. Like you got that it was in set in that time frame. Mm. And I think that was one of the things that I found really special with this is that I never felt like it was, I never felt like it tried to extend beyond what was, what was possible for the film. It felt like it really was a very measured attempt at doing something on a big budget, a, a real blockbuster. I think it made, I think it made 120 mil in its opening, in its opening weekend, which at the time was like I think it was like the, the the fastest film ever to a hundred million or something like that. That it 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 was so big that it kind of it had clearly caught on to something culturally. It clearly had kind of grabbed hold of people. And I remember watching the trailer and being psyched, just being like, "This looks so just." mind not quite mind bending but just kind of like it looks like a blockbuster yeah. you know it looks like something that will get you on the edge of your seat and where it doesn't disappoint is I actually think it really delicately handles the story as well like grabs hold of this idea of this nerdy kid that 
the 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 little inclusion of the scenes, for example, where he goes outside at the back of his his house and MJ's next door, having an, an argument with her dad, who's clearly on some level kind of like either got drinking problem or anger problem. Um, you just get these like little bits of character development that you that you sort of I'd not forgotten about, but I was just pleasantly surprised by again. So you really feel like Peter Parker is a, re- is a real, fully fleshed out character in this, right? Yes, yeah, a hundred percent, and not just again. I'm skipping ahead, but not just a, um, not just a piece of equipment, yeah. you know, to, to 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 use to move a narrative along. Like this, this for me, I was listening to something with Stan Lee, and he was talking about the emergence of the character and how he came up with the. The character, this for me felt like a character that existed in its own world and didn't require any other bits around it. Just needed, mm. just needed to have an anti-hero. You need to have someone sort of working, kind of, it needs to have someone that, that was a villain, but wasn't necessarily a villain. It just needed to have an yeah. equal that he could go head to head with. And I thought, again, like the, the, the Green Goblin, the Norman Osborn, is it Norman Osborn? Is that was that his name in it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought his again. They managed to so quickly within the film. They managed to make you go. Yeah, I, I get why they're going to have to go head to head. You know, I get why they're going to clash with each other. And I mean, this is this is like entirely one of the big things I wanted to pick up on early doors because it hit me just like so quickly into watching this film. The script is so tight, man. It's, it's tight, so yeah, very much tight, so. and it's so well done. Like, it's so well written. The beats are, like, perfect. They don't let anything drag at all. You kind of, you understand who Peter Parker is. You understand the proposition straight away. And he's bitten by the spider within five minutes, I'd say. Yeah, that was amazing. So, so many films now and so many superhero films seem to want to spend ages trying to explain why you need to care about yeah, yeah. this person who's in it. And they'll spend half of the film trying to get you there. And more often than not, you, you, you're not really convinced. You know, so much exposition, so much build up and stage direction and sort of context and subtext. And you're sort of just like, this was so wonderfully simple. Or you sometimes know? all you need is like, is that, is the, you know, like through sort of a lot of my reading about like, like writing good scripts and that type of thing, they will always make the point of like, you know, some of the time you need to take your audience on a journey and some of the best propositions are the one where they can live vicariously through a character. So, you know, person wins, normal person wins a lot of money. Normal person has something terrible happen to them, so on and so forth. So you're putting yourself in the shoes. And in this instance, a film marketed at teenagers, it is young, bullied, like bullied, awkward nerd suddenly has superpowers. Do you reckon that's what it is? Do you reckon that's why we sort of our gen would have particularly felt that affinity with it because like you said before essentially kid gets bitten by spider wakes up in the morning and is no longer the nerdy kid who's going to get beaten up by that guy called flash or whatever his name yeah. is suddenly that, he's how stacked. naughty is that as well the bully yeah. has a name flash. and he's he got a name. brand new car <laughs> yeah it reminds me of do you know i'll tell you one of my uh, this is one of my most inadvertent cringe moments this is uh, and it's always stuck with me this I remember being out, back when I used to smoke, this is when I was like 19, 20, right? I remember standing sort of outside the pub. I was working in the pub at the time. 
having a fag out the back. And I remember there's this guy there, leather jacket, probably in his mid, a bit older than I was, in his mid-twenties. And he was smoking this cigarette. And this girl came out and she was just like, oh, God. It's turning my stomach just thinking about it. I hate those memories. I hate those memories. I've never been able to forget this one. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> she just, she came out to like, because, yeah, we're both smoking. She just walks over to him and just goes, uh, can, I, can I use your light, please? And he said, uh, yeah, sure. And he whips out this Zippo and like flicks the top off and like, does this thing like you know he like does it was does it in like one motion where he manages yeah. to like flick the top off and light it at the same time and do the thing and she goes oh that's really cool um and then there's like a there's an ace of spades on the side of like the lighter and she's like oh right why is there that on there and he goes because that's my name ace oh. and then you could see straight away she was just like oh do you know what I mean? Like, I think I think nowadays the kids call it the ick. Do you know what I mean? But like, and I just got sort of standing next to this scene unfolding, and her just being like, "Okay, thanks." You feel, you feel like off. it's on you. Yeah, you know, you want to wash. You're like, get this feeling yeah. away from me. And Ace. Uh, but yeah, anyway. But, but that is so. That's so on the money for this guy, though. He yeah. was like, he's. What's his? What is his name in real? Joe something. Oh, I, don't, I don't know, but Flash. But the reason why uh, uh, I say this is because actually he's married to. Um, he's married to. God, this is you know modern family. Gloria in Sofia Vergara. Yes, yeah. He's yeah, married yeah. to her, and like it only oh, struck really? me watching this back that I was like, his name's Joe Manganello, Manganello, and it, I, I just only just realised now that this, like, that him, he's like ultimate man crush vibes now if you see he's like absolutely wham there's like this really famous picture of him on a beach just ripped up to pieces and I'd, I'd completely forgotten that he played that guy Flash and that fight scene where Peter's got his powers overnight and suddenly he's almost got that kind of that almost got that bullet time thing with the spider sense oh yeah yeah I'm looking at him now what, what else have I seen him in Oh, True Blood. That's what I knew I'd seen him in something. Did you ever use to watch True Blood back no, in the day? No, I didn't. He's also Magic Mike as well. Magic Mike, yeah. And I'm now looking at that picture of him on the beach where he's just absolutely wham-tastic. And he <laughs> sort of makes... Um, it's ludicrous. Like, he's the sort of person, if you were ever on the beach around him, it'd just be in everyone's best interest that you stand as far away from him uh, as possible. Uh, come on, love, we're leaving. Let's go get an ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I'm starving. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do we have to go now yes we have to leave now oh look it's him from that film Shh, leave now <laughs> get out of there but i do remember like i remember really um really vividly like it just th that fight scene is so i think that might be he's just caught all the stuff on the tray hasn't he for mary jane and then he then he kind of has this fight and um like uses almost like the bullet time from from the matrix um, which is awesome. Yeah, and they sh they do that a couple of times, don't they? When Green Goblin later on is chucking those little like sort of spiky discs at him, he does that kind of bullet timey like swerving jump through the mall as well. 
and it just looks absolutely sick yeah man i love it i absolutely love it and like that little sound that it's like a sort of almost similar like, sort of sound that goes and i remember like like i said at the top we all used to say it in the playground someone you to sort of say spider sense like when, yeah. whenever whenever and like something was about to happen you sort of like wanted to preemptive strike it it was uh, it was so era defining but i remember those fight scenes as well not feeling and this is something that i wanted to come on to it never felt like they were unrealistic it was that thing that you said before is that it was taking something that every kid would have wanted to be every kid would have wanted to be spider-man but it made it tangible it made yeah. it like because he didn't do anything crazy did he do you know i mean you never felt that he was bulletproof in this no you know like you never felt like he couldn't get hurt, and there there was jeopardy. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. like a like, oh, your mate's going to come and bail you out. Like it was it, the, the whole way through. Him and Green Goblin had this kind of Green Goblin had the edge on him for for some of it. You know, it was a, it was a good felt like a good kind of tear up. And I don't think superhero films now get that balance right. That I, I think I think it's William Dafoe who said it about about the director he said that the beauty of this is is that it's a fantasy film based in reality That's which is good. so so cool because you get that right well like the, the immediately the, like you said the scene where he gets bitten you kind of have the overnight thing but then you also see him trying to get to grips with the idea that he doesn't actually even know how to do the web thing you know, and you get that kind of nice comedic moment where he's like, fly. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'd go, web, go. <laughs> go. Shazam. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was really, really nice. And it kind of, you get to see him the way get you just to see his hand it. going into shot. I love that shot. <laughs> really, yeah. really good. And yeah. it, But the whole thing felt like that for me. It felt like you were watching this uh, this kid that was really on a kind of identity he was going for an identity crisis in his own life. And the fact that you had the, the stuff with Uncle Ben as well and his aunt chucked in there for good measure. And I actually think the, 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 the line that you get where he says maybe Parker can't be got at, but he's got his weaknesses or whatever, and you know that he's going to start going for his family and friends and Mary Jane... You sort of think, yeah, this this gets it. This is a superhero film that understands why kind of we all might engage with him and why we might be on his side. And I guess that kind of throws back, doesn't it, to the original Superman films? Yeah, with with Superman having to fly around the Earth to go back in time and save Lois Lane. You know, <laughs> that jeopardy is that's the only thing you can do to make it was a real get out of jail free card that one though wasn't it wasn't that old it Superman like come on hell. that's so dodgy but do, do you know I do, on this on the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man thing I quite like and I don't know why they've always done away with this afterwards because we're talking about f like fantasy grounded in reality and this sounds almost preposterous to say but the fact okay he's been bitten by this radioactive spider right which have granted him these powers the fact that he's taken these spider powers that he organically generates the web and that he yeah. has the the small hairs on his fingertips like spiders do that allow him to climb why they've done away with that with the with the with the latter like 
iterations of Spider-Man. Why Peter Parker is now like, yeah, okay, he's still a science genius in this one, but he's a science genius to the degree where he could literally engineer this web shooting stuff that would allow him. That see, I know it sounds stupid, but that sound that feels almost less realistic than somebody who has been bitten by a radioactive spider that would organically now have like the the ability to develop like to generate web inside of them well yeah that was actually a that was a thing from sam rami and and toby mcguire they were both like listen he's got it's got to be an organic thing because if it's not why is this kid why is this kid not just gonna solve all his problems by becoming an unbelievably wealthy genius because he's crazy smart and super intelligent like it has to be an organic thing so that it's not like well you're managing to do something that no scientist has ever done in the history of the earth so like there but i actually lo- i loved that i thought it was such a good part of it because they it make was... fun of it in that the later well, you know the tom holland latest one the multi which one is it is it spider-man no way home or long no, way yeah. home or something about one of them yeah they make fun the of that don't they the fact that his web comes out of his skin oh yes yeah 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 Yeah, they do but i i massively preferred it i massively preferred it it just makes more sense to me i actually think the the way that they i think this is one of the beauties of spider-man right i think when you look at it none of his powers are really things that are kind of totally game-changing do you know what i mean he's a bit stronger he's a bit faster he can shoot like webs out of his arms or or whatever and and he has that extra agility but someone once pointed out to me yeah i I can't remember i think it might have been actually a part of a stand-up maybe it was like yeah i wouldn't want to be spider-man if like if you were in the desert (laughs) yeah it's a really good point what are you going to do in the desert you know like it's he's fallible you know he, yeah. he's got a slightly he heightened off, ability. He? exactly he's got slightly heightened abilities and that is that's what makes it so special because he can do something that's quite cool but at the same time he's not invincible he's not like superman where you like you're going to bounce bullets off of him you know this is this is why i don't think it ever worked to bring him into the avengers fold you know no I, no. the, the, to me, it's only ever a commercial decision to do that because, and it, it's, it's testament to the fact now that with the Spider-Man arc, they've like you know erased his memory and everything like that now, and turned it back into just he is Spider-Man living the kind of Peter Parker timeline yeah. again because it just does it just it never made like you say these lot are all literal like immortal beings that fly around with zero jeopardy punching robots and flying through explosions and stuff whereas he was a very very vulnerable superhero still yeah and 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 you actually gave a shit about what was going to happen to him yeah you know like you actually genuinely were you felt as you were getting towards the end of the film i want to see where this goes and and i want to kind of see how whether he's going to make it through this and then what's even better and again i know i'm skipping on to the ending but like what's even better is that you're getting this dual thread right Mm. and that you're getting the superhero arc and you're getting the arc of whether he's gonna manage to get past the green goblin but you've also got the identity thing like are people gonna realize that it's him you know and and that was really really 
well played and and it means that you do get a, a, an ending that is both satisfying but also leaves enough there that you're like oh I, I would love to see more of this which yeah. is brilliant and I mean we, I, one, I thought that so after watching this I was just like I'm going to watch the second one soon I as well I thought that, that as well yeah yeah you what know, did you make like of it Alfred did you, Moliner and all that you know like yeah, Doc he was very good wasn't he brilliant. I'm trying to remember I think the third one fell off a little bit but I think that the was second one was really good he gets like the black suit and stuff like that the Venom that, one right? yeah yeah and he does the dance in that one as well. But yeah. even that, I mean, the dance thing has been turned into... a. There are so many memes that have come out of Tobey Maguire's sort of version of Spider-Man. And I guess that they're kind of probably seen as a bit cult and a bit niche now. But I can't stress how big they were at the time. Like, they were absolutely enormous. I can't stress it enough, sorry, that, that they were just this... They were a behemoth. They were, like, commercially unbelievable and... And they cut through. They well, cut through like, everything. You were touching on it. It was the first, it was the quickest film to ever reach 100 million. That was its, that, that was that its was it. kind of record-breaking thing. And it made, at the time, it made over 800 million. And I don't know what that would be for inflation, like adjusted now. Oh, mate, enormous but, money. Yeah, be a lot of money. Can, yeah, go, go on. Go, go, I was just going to say, seeing as we've kind of touched on this anyway, I would love to hear your thoughts on how cgi was used in this and whether well, it did it for you or didn't do it for you well, that is literally what i was going to say mate so we're on the we're on the same wavelength Great minds. we should do a podcast together <laughs> uh, two um, web boys with a podcast <laughs> <laughs> what, what, who'd have thought um we i i was so immediately struck watching this thinking this movie is now 21 years old 21 years old what the fuck where does time go man i know genuinely where the what, fuck does time go? But well, that, Toby Maguire, at the, on the day of recording, how old did I text you? Was it 48? 48. 48. Get in the bin. That's disgusting, yeah, man. Where does time go? But I was watching this thinking, this stands up, man. Like, the, there's a few little moments where the CGI looks a bit kind of video game cut sequence, but barely any at all. Go on, I, give me one of your examples when it, when it, when it drifts out. There's, okay, so what I think one of the main times it drifts out is right at the end when he's holding up the carriage. You know, when he's hanging off of the bridge and yes. he's having to hold up the tram yeah. cart and also hold yeah. up Mary Jane. I, I, th I think I can remember that one looking a little bit gammy. Um, but for the most part, it it stands up so well. It, it, and I, I know people liked, it's become a bit of a meme to dig out kind of the flash and some of the sort of latest Marvel movies to so their bad CGI. But this movie, 21 years old, stands up with a lot of Marvel movies today, man. It really, really does. Why do you think this is so good on this one? I was trying to work it out. For, for me, it is 100%. It's, it's less is more. And I, I say yeah. less is more in the respect that this isn't... So now, when you actually see the sets of a lot of Marvel movies now, including Spider-Man, they are just acting in an entirely green environment, an yeah. entirely green environment. And then now because of complaints from actors, they've started to work with this kind of, I can't remember what the name of it is. They've got like this huge digital screen that Marvel have built that, you know, acts as a kind of, as a background, a literal kind of dynamic background for people to act against that they will also use. It's a bit um, naff though, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, whereas with this, like they did with Jurassic Park, which is even older, 30 plus years old now, 
it's a mixture of actual practical real effects that have been supplemented with CGI. And I, you know, I, I know, I know there's always going to be that argument now that you're going to limit the scope of filmmakers by, you know, saying don't make it all with CGI. But I don't agree with that, man, because no. cons- constraint is the friend of creativity, right? That kind of the challenge, yes, adversity. Yeah provokes that creative challenge what and is our solutions based approach to this problem how do we find the solution yes. right as and, opposed and, to just let the computer do it yeah and as we're seeing now right the burnout that so many animators and people like vfx artists are facing from working on these kind of turnarounds to get these marvel movies out is no good for anybody like no. it's no good like they're, they're basically getting like i don't know if you've seen a lot of the stuff that's now coming out about you know i was waxing lyrical about um across the spider verse is it i can't remember whichever yeah, the, the, the latest the, miles the, morales the, the film more, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and how brilliant it is i mean is a lot of stuff that's coming out now from a lot of the actors uh, actors the artists and animators talking about how poorly treated they were 16 hour days threats of not being paid yeah, if they you know, and I mean, the the kind of the industry now, how it is this over-reliance on CGI, I personally feel is leading to just, a, a, it's degrading the quality of the films, man, because I watched this. And yeah, I, I do appreciate there is a certain sense of like bleary-eyed nostalgia of me watching this, you know, remembering being a kind of teenager again and how excited I was watching this movie when it came out. But I, I honestly do objectively feel looking at this film and even other examples, I've said Jurassic Park already, something like The Matrix 2, that kind of the real blend of practical effects. So using kind of, and by that I mean like, you know, they were using kind of guide ropes to suspend him on, to have him yes. jump jump around to actually perform a lot of the flips and stuff himself in real life settings in in sound in either sound studios or out in kind of sets where they've they've literally built a set for them as opposed to just having every single element of it to be cgi it just it just feels more real right it yeah, feels totally. more and these movies are over 20 years old now and they st- the, 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 okay let's say even if, if if some people were split hairs about oh no it doesn't look as good as it's just, the fact that there isn't let's say at, at the very least when you look at even the top end marvel movies now there isn't a night and day difference in quality between the between the end product surely that says something right well and and also on top of that to come back to your point around sparing use what i noticed with this is that every time i felt that the cgi veered into territory where you're like could get silly here instantly snapped out of it and went back to in real life shooting so it would be a moment where you kind of would have a bit of cgi perhaps of him flying using or, or web shooting and, and flying through the New York cityscape and you might think oh CGI is kicking in there and then it would cut to a tight of his face you know and, and instead of trying to build this whole world through CGI it's almost like the film was self-aware enough to be like we can't give too much here because then it will get mm. silly we can't go too far with this yeah but they but they gave enough that you've got the grandeur and the excitement of seeing spider-man flying through manhattan or or, or wherever it is but i think it is manhattan yeah flying through manhattan and um, over the top of the traffic and they do again they'd use these shots 
that they'd clearly gathered through flying a helicopter, for example. So they've flown a helicopter and you're getting point of view shots as if you are Spider-Man. So again, it's trying to place it in reality while doing something from a fantastical point of view that will make you feel like, wow, this is really special, but it could be feasible. It could be almost realistic. And the other one, I mean, I'll give another example. You know, when they're the big kind of like world day or whatever it is where they have the big inflatables. And there's a moment where Spider-Man bounces on two of the inflatable things and you think, oh, that looks a bit, that looks a bit naff. 10 seconds later, he's having a hand-to-hand fight with the Green Goblin where his head's getting smashed through a window and they're actually doing that, you know? So you don't even have time to get, to get to fall out of it or to get distracted or removed from the film because it never lingers long enough on the CGI or relies heavily enough on the CGI that you go, well, this is unbelievable, you know? Well, did uh, and I guess in this, didn't you feel really, and this is partly a writing decision, I guess, and also kind of on the CGI, but and the grounded in reality thing, the sort of the actions of the Green Goblin and the threat that he posed, it still felt, it, it felt smaller scale, right? Because, you know, like now I find that so many of these storylines are the entire universe is going to be kind of yes. enveloped yes. into some supreme Why? beings thing. And what we're going to do is, and people have complained about, people have complained about, um, and it is a thing, I think it was especially after the age of Ultron, right? That, that, we're um, trying to get the rings. Yeah, yeah, all that type of stuff. And when they were talking about the kind of the casual collateral damage, right? Because what you felt, and and what I mean by that is like, is when you have the bad guy who just sweeps through a city and just destroys a load of skyscrapers, blows them all up, and there's no real human impact. You don't feel anything from that. All you're seeing is a load of buildings blow up and the city has been destroyed, but you don't really feel that at all. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Whereas in, in, in this, it was like you say, like we were talking about, it's very real things. He green goblin is going to attack the board in that thing. And he's popped a balloon at the kind of Macy's day parade or whatever it was. Do you know what I mean? And then there's the, a bit later on when he destroys like the, the cable car and you see like a, a cable car full of people is going to potentially crash into the river. But it, it's, it feels you feel the human impact of these events, right? And it it it, it just works so much better. Like, okay, let's say the, the the bad guy, the Green Goblin in this, right? He's so despicable because it feels it's it's so much more personal what he's yeah. doing. The fact he goes after Aunt May, the fact he goes after Mary Jane, the fact that he, you know, he 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 feels so slighted by the board that he goes and like wreaks havoc on them. You know, he's kind of, okay, he's lost his mind. He's this madman that kind of wants to have power and doesn't want to lose his grip on his own company. But again, it's not this overstated, grandiose kind of the world or the entire, the entire multiverse. Do you know what I mean? Like it it, it just, how good is that line? So much more. Finish it, and she's like, yeah. "From <laughs> evil, <laughs> so good, man." It's terrible eyes. That is, that, but there's like three or four of those. Jameson, you slime. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like we will cover to JK Simmons. Like he yeah, Willem Dafoe, JK Simmons, Kirsten Dunst as well. I mean, Jesus. I wanna just quickly on what you were saying, the the kind of lack of jeopardy thing. There's a really amazing um scene that's deleted is a deleted scene from Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally saying exactly what you were just saying. That basically you see there's that I don't know if you remember this, but I'm a sucker for the Austin Powers films. I think some of the comedy in that, one of my favourite ever moments in any film ever is um, in Austin Powers 3, he's climbing up a ladder alongside Dr. Evil and then he, like, someone shoots at him and he sort of falls off the ladder and manages to grab hold of Dr. Evil but holds onto his trousers and then his trousers get ripped down <laughs> yeah. and he's face to face with with Dr. Evil's gooch sort of thing and he says, Dr. Evil, I used to think you were crazy. Now I can see your nuts. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> and like, I'm so immature that that yeah. absolutely, like, that slays me. I could watch that over and over and over again. Anyway, I digress. Basically, in the first film, there's this really silly bit of humour where um, I, I think a, a large roller goes over a henchman in super slow motion. He's yeah. about 100 yards away going, no, for about 30 seconds while this roller is crawling yeah, yeah, towards yeah. him. But then in the deleted scene, it cuts away to his family. And oh. as, as she's getting a phone call telling her, his wife how her husband has died. And then she kind <laughs> of like addresses the camera and says, nobody ever thinks how like death will affect the family of a henchman. And it's, like, it's such, a, <laughs> such a clever little device, but it's so true. It's like these films like Rambo, for example, where he kills about 100 people. And you're like, well, who the hell were those people? <laughs> you know, yeah. I had no idea who any of those people were. And the thing is of this is they keep the actual uh, nucleus of the important characters intertwined. So w when it, the one of the key scenes for me is the um, the Thanksgiving scene where Aunt May kind of slaps William Def William Defoe's hand, slaps oh, Norman Osborne's hand, and he's his so eyes annoyed, just isn't he? flicker. You know. And she he, and he's sharpening the knife, and it's so um, sort of cunning and 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 full of venom, and and you're sort of a bit like, oh, this is scary. But then he notices Peter Parker's cut on his arm, you know, because he's yeah. just he's just chucked the sort of weird kind of razor blade things at him that that would sort of chase him, and suddenly this whole like you said it's the, the the absolute brilliance of the scripting that it is kept so nuclear everything is very contained and you don't you're not thinking like here's this thing going on in manhattan but if it goes wrong the whole universe is going to implode you're just like <laughs> there is five or six characters here whose futures are deeply intertwined and yeah. even i thought harry was a bit of a slug if i'm honest but even the fact that he's gone for MJ and she's fallen in love with Spider-Man, but also Peter Parker, that creates another dynamic and it doesn't leave that, you know, it, it stays very tight, which I thought was, I thought that was a really, really smart way of taking you through. What is it? Spider-Man is a huge story. Do you know what I mean? But uh, mm. like, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of the episodes of the comic. There is so much you could tell, but they managed to make this very neatly packaged into a couple well, of our film. They just did it so well, didn't they, in that you got a bit of Spider-Man's origin story and then they told... I mean, Green Goblin is a well-established character within the comics, yeah. as I understand, but 
the fact that they they managed to weave the story in the way that they did because fr- from what I've read anyway this the actual story isn't based on a pre-existing comic book right okay um, this from this movie it's kind they've, of an, or- an original yeah they've borrowed elements from different you know pieces here and there but I I would assume that the whole Norman Osborn Harry Osborn being Peter Parker's best mate probably isn't original. I don't know. Correct me if you, you know, if you're a massive comic book fan and you're yeah. listening, please let me know. Um, I do know that the first baddie was the Sandman. I think. I think he was really? the first ever one. Yeah, I don't think the Green Goblin was technically the first baddie. So they've actually made this for this story, and I wonder. I do wonder why they settled on. I always him. thought it might be Kingpin. Remember Kingpin? The sort yeah. Of the, the... Was was Spider Man in the same universe as the X Men? I would imagine at some point there's probably because I remember been some the cartoons. Crossover. Do you remember the cartoons as a kid? Oh, mate, do I remember? They were the fucking greatest, weren't they? The, <laughs> the X Men cartoon and the Spider Man cartoon. Abs- do you know what I I had as well? This is going back, man. This is probably when I was about eleven, twelve years old. So I used to have this. And because I've, I've always had an interest in like making movies and all this type of thing, I had a like based on the Spider-Man cartoon property. Tell me, tell me, you're going to say the CD-ROM? Yeah, the cartoon maker. Yeah, did that you, you have could, that mate? That you could make him fly around the screen and do those things. But you could record your own little stories for Amazing. it. You could like have your own little script. So, you could even if you had a microphone record voiceovers and stuff like that for it. Amazing! It was so cool. It was like, unbelievable. What was that? What even was that? Do you know, I can't even remember what it was, but I'm sure like I'm sure there will be some people. It was basically like and if people use the Adobe suite now, it was like having a super limited version of Adobe to create small little storylines. Yeah, the Spider-Man like a, cartoon maker. Amazing. So fa- like I mean and that God, was just in screenshots of it now. I just remember it entirely. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you know when you do, it, it's like seeing a screenshot of CFAX, isn't it? It does instantly does things to you. Yeah. You know exactly where you were at that time, and um, and I, the other thing that came into my head. Sorry, I'm like massively digressing into just silly '90s nostalgia. Do you remember the, the demo discs? At the time, where yeah, you might you might get a yeah, demo yeah. disc of like ten games in one, and you could only play one level of the game. And that would be uh, your lot. But I had a Spider-Man, I had a, the Spider-Man game on a demo disc as well for for PlayStation 1 or whatever. It was really showing my age now. But it, this, again, kind of comes back to just how important it was in popular culture. It, it, it exists. Spider-Man was one of the few things that managed to exist on its own in a contained series without people trying to blur the lines and bring it into everything else. And, and try and turn it into this kind of because because like you said it was it, it was the first of its kind in that era so it kind of existed alone do you know what I mean yeah entirely like it's oh man it was just great it was a great thing to revisit and I like the whole spot you know we sort of said before you know I'm I'm not the biggest on like kind of where these kind of like superhero movies have gone, to be honest. And I think I, I really do echo a lot of the feelings that Scorsese's voice before um, about, you know, the lack of jeopardy and that type of thing. But this sort of era of them, I think like Keaton's Batman, I really liked. Yes. And yeah. This kind of spider. I mean, Spider-Man's just one of those properties. I think you can just enjoy on his own merit because 
it, it's just it's fun to me i think it's fun and i think there's a lot there there's a lot in the various different themes of like family and kind of loyalty and doing what's right you know uncle ben with great power comes great responsibility i you know? love that man that, i felt like that that really watching it back this time around i don't know why but it was a lot more powerful to me did it get you yeah it really did i think it used to get me at the time but i think it's because i'm a bit older now you know how sad is it that that's the last the last thing he says to uncle ben is like getting cross with him yeah you're not, you're not my, my dad father. stop act, trying to be it or whatever yeah. he says and he sort of that that nod that he does, and he's like, "Okay, point taken." You know, oh. it's so sad. But there is something in that. I I did think watching this back, there was something in the characters of Aunt May and Uncle Ben. You know, in that kind of the value of actually, I felt a real tingle when he gets home after he's just got all these new powers and it, there was something kind of a bit metaphorical about it right is that yes he's just got all these new powers and he's climbing walls and and can, can fly all over the place and he's got super speed and strength but he gets home and the message says michelangelo so he's he's kind of like his nickname from his uncle meatloaf's in the oven <laughs> like, yeah, and, yeah. and he's missed painting the wall with him you, you feel know, that guilt, don't you? Yeah, and I get—I know we've spoken about this in a couple of other pods, but I think the older you get, the more you're like, Shh, you th those things are important. Those yeah. things that—that's that, the good stuff, you know. That's actually the the stuff that matters. And I thought the way that they kind of showed those those kind of tender moments was really nice as well. I thought Aunt yeah. May kind of making that comment where she's like, "This is the most you've smiled since." since uh, MJ was here, you know, like your, your parents and your relatives, they, they, they pick up on your, your wavelength and your vibes and your signals that you're giving off that you don't even realize that you're giving off, you know? Yeah, of course. It's, yeah, it's very nicely done, I think. And it, like I say, it just plays into the whole, the feeling that Peter Parker is a kid at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. And you yeah. really do feel that, right? Um, it's lost because it is like because it's such a sort of high action film and everything like that as well but there are some really really good acting performances in throughout all of this aren't isn't there? that just like i mean i mean a friend friend of the show mate jk simmons yeah right? captain like, wham yeah <laughs> like how good and how perfect is he for that for that if you've if having watched the cartoon and if you ever read the comics he literally completely embodies that character doesn't it, it he? doesn't he and also his the the frantic nature of everything that he says while he's got the cigar in his, his mouth did you notice though this time around he refuses to rat out Peter Parker. Yeah. He protects him. And I was like, that's really interesting. I'd forgotten about that. I don't, why would he do that? I, I don't know. He, maybe there's some self-serving side to it. He doesn't want to yeah. stop getting the photographs, I guess. Yeah. That'd probably be the root of it. Because you would want to say, oh, he's got some sort of code of contact. But I don't think he does have any sort of code of conduct. He seems like a... a entirely reprehensible person doesn't he but he just steals it doesn't he you get yeah. like you get bursts of him like two minutes like it, it, i didn't give you a job I, I don't say i give you a job and then he goes out and then <laughs> is it elizabeth banks elizabeth banks also octavia spencer earlier on as well 
Yeah, and um, and then later on we get someone else that I, I recognised and I was like, this is actually... The cast on this all got, have gone on to absolutely shine. Like, they've, yeah. they've, so many people have gone on huge careers off the back of off the back of this. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, J.K. Simmons, Elizabeth Banks. Like, it's it, it, sort I of mean, get the macho the macho man Randy Savage as well. Bones. Yes. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, that. I mean, that was incredible. What a scene that is. That we we all used to say that at school. People be like, "Bone size ready." <laughs> so funny. Really? But yeah, who was the? I mean, realistically, out of those ones, who kind of stole the show for you? I think probably for me, J.K. Simmons. Oh, we're getting kind of the MVP already, mate. No, I just mean <laughs> the, like, the supporting roles. You know, the yeah, ones where you're kind definitely, of definitely J.K. Simmons one. Like the, he's like, unbelievable. Just the, like you said, the actual embodiment of of what you expect that character to be. It's yeah. always nice when you have that. And I actually found that Spider-Man 2 as well, uh, Otto Octavius. Yeah. Like, well, Alfred Molina, I was like, oh, please let him be good. And he's perfect. You know, That you famous scene be- when they're at the diner and you see the car flying towards the window. Do you know what I mean? Because oh Alfred Molina's thrown God, it. Remember how much that was used in all of the promo Jesus, material and stuff? what a shout. Yeah. That is, and again, sparingly used, you know, it was actually yeah. a kind of like, that was a big set piece and they totally big. nailed it. Big. We're going to have to watch Spider-Man 2 soon, We are, actually. aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah big yeah. time. Um, right. The, uh, we've done, we, we've done a couple of like the, the iconic bits so far, but I actually want to be a bit soppy and talk about the kiss. Because oh, yeah. this is actually another one of those things that a lot of people won't realise now, but if they watched the film back with us this week, they would have been like, oh, that's quite cool that they did that scene like that. That kiss was shown everywhere. Yeah. It, everywhere. And to do, for something as simple as a kiss, it became so iconic. Do you know what I mean? I don't know why it did, like it, but it just was everywhere. And it's it been done. I'm, I'm, I'm swear it's been done by loads of different people since, right? Can you? Is there a more iconic? Let's have a look. One than that, like uh, I can't think of anything. It, it in just off the top of my head. So it says the Notebook, but I'm not given the Notebook. Like I'm not prepared to 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 say it's that one in the rain. There's Titanic. But again, I wouldn't say this is iconic. Lady and the Tramp, um, whether with the spaghetti, pretty good shout. Yep, yep. Pretty woman because she never kisses on the mouth, <laughs> which is like an iconic one. Lost in translation. That's an interesting one. Do you remember Great that? I, I love don't that film. Remember it. So it's bec- that basically they kind of. If you haven't seen Lost in Translation, spoiler alert, but but they basically have this kind of brief kiss, like where they kind of acknowledge this, whatever they've had in their kind of mini relationship they've had. Um, God, I forget, I forget that they actually kiss in that. Yeah. I was and just having a look now. Cause I, cause, yeah, because it's always been so like, they're a bit father-daughter, they're a bit kind of interested in one another. Will they, won't they? You don't really know. It's a very complex time. What if we're going to have to do that on this film? Yeah, what I a do film. really, like, a really film. like that film. Like, that's a, and it's very kind of, again, another film that's kind of deeply isolated in its own setup. 
Yeah. You know, it, it, again, one of the things that I love, and I, I'll say this over and over again in this pod, I love it when films understand where they're going to begin and where they're going to end and they don't blur mm. those lines. And I think, again, Spider-Man was a really great example of that. It never tried to go too much. For, realistically, this is taking place in, in New York. You know, it's not yeah. going all over the place and it's not trying to be a load of different things. It's really got like six key characters, maybe seven key characters. And that's your lot. You know, you, d- you don't spend the entire time trying to work out where you are. It's from moment one, you're, you're rooted in where you're going to be for most of the film. And that's that's absolutely class. But yeah. I do that, that, that kiss. So fun fact on this. But basically they had to sh- shoot it a load of times because he couldn't actually breathe. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, so he was, because he's upside down and they're in the pouring rain, so the water's going all over his, like, all over his schnod, so he can't breathe through his nose. And then the water started going in his mouth, so he literally was like, it looks incredibly romantic, but actually at the time, couldn't breathe at all, had to, like, take little side breaths out the side of his mouth. Um, and a little bit of trivia. Did you know they were together? During the filming? Really? No, I didn't at all. I I had no idea about that. That's always quite interesting. There was a bit of advice that was given to Tom Holland and Zendaya. Yeah. Is she Zendaya? Zendaya? Uh, Yeah. That um, people said to them, don't get together whilst you're filming this because it's happened on both of the previous Spider-Man franchises. But did Garfield and Stone get together as well? Yes. What? Isn't that mad? What yeah. a crazy bit of trivia about like about the Spider-Man films. But it just, yeah, I mean, it, that, that sort of just, it, in doing research for this, I was like, that is, I remember the music as well. Really, really good. And the fact that he just had the fight scene, again, that was another fight scene that was rooted in reality. It wasn't it wasn't kind of all over the place. It was very kind of like physical combat and done through silhouette and the rain and stuff. It was it was wicked. Yeah. I mean, I just I think on that, like one of the biggest ones is that you feel like I'm sort of revisiting what we've already said, but just feeling you feel every punch from the Green Goblin on Spider-Man, don't you? Because he has this not only super strength, but he has this mechanical suit as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that they make you feel that the punches sound, the sound design's really good. Yeah. You know, they make you, you feel. You see his suit get all fucked up, and his face is bleeding. And well, that you know. ending is actually amazing. I thought, you know, the final fight is really good. Yeah, and you just get the little oh, as the as the glider coming towards yeah. him, like, like about to cut through him, and it, you just get a little pause for a second where he just oh. <laughs> it just cuts him in half. <laughs> Amazing. So I, I, good. I wanted to ask you a very, very big and likely divisive question on this film, Ben. Do you think this is the greatest superhero movie of all time? Oh, wow. Because watching this... No, go on. I, I, I want to I hear what you, your take on this first. Greatest superhero film of all time. Okay, let's okay. kind of... What, what's in the conversation, first of all, like for you? So I'd assume that we'd have to put the Dark Knight trilogy in there. Oh, you can only pick one of them, mate. I'm just, yeah, if we're gonna, if we're one be... film. So then oh. Dark Knight, because I okay. think it's better than Batman Begins and I think it's better than Dark Knight Rises. I think Dark yeah. Knight, because again, in that, 
he's fallible. The Joker is also sort of seems to be realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to say for me up there is also Logan. I think Logan is wow, absolutely yeah, amazing, movie. like incredible film. I think, but for me personally, yeah, I think it might be, you know, I think it might be in terms of, I'm not necessarily like saying technically the most perfect. I think it's my favorite superhero film of all time. What, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I think, like I was going to say, like I think watching this back, I was kind of like, I don't think I've... I So I loved, and I'm not saying it's best, but I loved Keaton's Batman. That was one I really yes. liked, the first one. I really Very liked gritty. that. Very gritty. Yeah, I, um, I really liked Nolan's trilogy, as you've said. I actually... I loved the Batman, the latest one with um, Patterson in it. Wow, that was very good. And the soundtrack for that as well. Amazing, amazing. And I thought that was, to be honest, as Batman films go and as Batman based on the... Because Batman is one of the few things I've actually read a few of the graphic novels of. Like, oh, have you? Yeah, The Killing Joke and stuff like that. Because, I don't know, Batman, again, is sort of a thing unto its own. I, I actually thought the Batman was the most Batman type film that that's ever been made really very grungy as well wasn't it really Precisely grungy that. in terms of like the, the the look and the feel and the style yeah. and everything very dark and i mean th- a lot of the characters in that or a lot of the kind of performances in that i thought really lent themselves yeah. to it as well and I, I think even though maybe it wasn't entirely for me because i didn't really entirely love the whole journey and everything i think the sheer scale and imagination of Avengers Endgame probably puts it in the conversation because it really captured the world's attention. You know, that whole yeah, story and that it was leading an event, to that wasn't point. It? Yeah, it was, right. it was an event. It was huge. So that's got to be in the conversation. But I just think for for sheer fun and for sheer... I just, I don't know, just to be an emblem of things that superhero movies are supposed to be, like we say, exciting, fun taking people on the journey. I don't think many gets close to this, man. I really honestly think it's the best superhero movie going. But it doesn't you know? sacrifice anything on the way. I think that's the thing with this. It's probably the most complete superhero film that is in the list, you know, because it has all of the elements that you need in terms of worthy adversary, the the fact that it's relatable, the fact that it feels tangible and realistic, even though it's a fantasy, yeah. the fact that you get this character with superhero abilities, but he's also flawed and has weak spots at the same time. And then it still does this whole thing about him searching for identity and falling in love with someone and trying to make that work at the same time as just being a like an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old kid who's also trying to make their way through life as well and, and, and get into college you know, or get a job or trying to like go and earn some money because he can't even afford to buy a car. You know, it's, it's, I think it gets the best of both worlds. And when you compare it to a Snyder's Justice League, for example, or the Avengers, I feel like for me, I can't reach those films in the same way because they don't, I can't see any of me in, in the lead characters, you know? And yeah. I think probably one of the other ones we should chuck in here is, is Black Panther. Yeah. Because I imagine there are a lot of people that felt that watching that, they were like, finally, a superhero film for me. 
yeah, where yeah. I feel like I can recognize myself in, in this character and I can see how my kind of that parts of my life could marry up with this guy, finally someone that I can recognize as a superhero for me. So I totally black Panther would probably be another one in there. Right. Yeah. yeah. You are, you don't fancy putting the old doomed Ryan Reynolds, green lantern film in there, mate. <laughs> green lantern. No. Jesus. I, I actually really enjoy the Deadpool films. I've got to say that as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. As well, but mate, laugh. do you know what's kind of fascinating is I've got up in front of me, like, you know how Google at the top will have, if you search something, it will, ha- it will give you a kind of short list breakdown. Um, oh, yeah. And it kind of has, it's got all these random versions of it. It's like the, the top picks for you. And then it's got like Captain America. And I'm like, no, Man of Steel. No, Batman, the kind of OG Batman, Michael Keaton, but with Jack Nicholson as the Joker, which was, was very good. Shazam yeah. didn't do it for me. Wonder Woman didn't do it for me. Suicide Squad wasn't my cup of tea. The original Superman to some extent, but I actually, as a, for me as a 90s kid, Superman was always actually like the Superman, the adventures of Superman, Lois and Clark. You know, with Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really more my era of Superman. And then you kind of had the X-Men. I did enjoy the the X-Men films with Hugh Jackman and, and Patrick Stewart. I actually thought yeah, that was 100%. a very, very good I, series. I like Jennifer Lawrence in those as well, mate. Talking with her. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. and Nicholas and, Holt. A young Jennifer well. Lawrence, right? Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, like, I mean... I think we've entered into a new phase, haven't we, with superhero films where the studios know that they are extremely big business and they're not going to slow down now. They're not going to say, yeah. hey, maybe we should kind of like scale these well, back. I, th- I mean, the, the time to do that, I really felt, was after Endgame. I thought after Endgame, they were going to give everyone a rest, get their hunger back again, yeah, give the Marvel audience three, four years of no films... But they just went straight in with the Eternals. And to be honest, pretty much all of their movies since Endgame have flopped, you know? Um, yeah. Barring, barring the Spider-Man out. films, but they're not really actually a Marvel entire production. They're kind of partly Sony still. Um, so, yeah, and I do think there probably is a, a bit better. Do you, here's an interesting one, mate. You were just talking about that. I've got the... Um, inflation adjusted oh have you list here yeah i've got this oh, inflation adjusted right, okay. film of of the of the top kind of grossing superhero movies of all time um it goes all the way down to 25 but i'll give you the top 10 so we got the first which is by no surprise avengers endgame then we got spider-man no way home in number three black panther in number four avengers infinity war Number five, The Avengers. Number six, The Dark Knight. Number seven, Spider-Man, this film that we're talking about right now. Number eight, The Dark Knight Rises. Number nine, Avengers Age of Ultron. Number 10, Spider-Man 2. So well, that's kind of nice. They stand to up, know. mate, you know? That, like, is, that is nice to know, isn't it? Yeah. That they still hold their place in history and they still sort of show that of their time they cut through in the same way that the the current yeah. Marvel crop did. You know, like they're they're in the top ten. So if if it's they were huge, mate. They were they were massive. Remember, and again, like we've said of of kind of what culture is like at this time. Spider Man. I mean, unfortunately, I remember the ad campaign for the first Spider Man film 
was him. He'd built a web between the twin towers, and he was catching like a baddie's helicopter. Um, and I think yeah. they swiftly they swiftly removed that ad campaign. But they did leave of, in the film. Did you see? They left a couple of the silhouettes in his in his mask. Yeah, of, like, the, of the trade center. Uh, yeah, and it was an intentional thing to do. Like I think, like the last shot of the film before he jumps off and flies away they might have a little bit of a reflection and they wanted to leave it in which i thought was quite a nice touch yeah you know they were actually sort of like it was a conscious decision um right have we missed anything or do you want to should we hit up the mvps i think we can hit up the mvps mate um go on you go first who are you going for it's willem defoe for me man i think he is yes sir he is despicable and he's so, <laughs> but he's just so brilliant, right? He's so, because it's not too campy. His performance, like you say, the, the rage that he manages to display, like whether he gets the slap on the hand, the way he like, you know, the way he looks at Aunt May in that moment, the, 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 when he, when he's told that, you know, they're going to be taking the company away from him, the way he, he's just like, right, well, I'm going to try it on myself. How he drinks the vial and like throws it down. Like I love Back the drama with which he throws it. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I just think he absolutely owns every single scene he's in. You hate him, but you love watching him on screen. He's brilliant. It's the perfect villain performance and when he comes back in this the latest iteration of the whichever one it is spider-man there's lots of us now um <laughs> he's he's just the same scumbag he's brilliant in yeah. that as well he seems you know? to revel in it doesn't he he's he great. seems to really revel in it like he's kind of put this suit on and he's like oh yeah this is this is it like i'm gonna go i'm gonna and and like you said he's it's not camp you know, he's not, he's not no. sort of like really sort of overplaying it. He just is despicable. He is yeah. just evil. You know, he, yeah. the, 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 and do you know what's amazing is somehow the suit almost seems to mirror his face. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the mask kind of has got this, yeah. he has quite a sinister look about him, but he has that ability to somehow smile, but still, still look hyper scary. So I'm something of a scientist myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. When he, when you know, when he's walking towards the mirror, how scary is that? He's holding up the newspaper and he's talking to the mirror, and then yeah. suddenly the camera angle switches and he's flitting between these two characters. Just the just laugh brilliant. how you hear it echoing through, like especially when Harry gets home <laughs> and he's just like, "Dad, are you what?" Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. So many good lines in this. So like so many little bits where like even though like we said earlier on where it's like finish it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, 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 like he has these great moments. I think he probably is at five or ten throughout the film where he kind of just if you're if you're not paying attention, that that he has got a lot of joy from like dropping these bombs and then just kind of carrying on. The, yeah. Even the little speeches that he does, you know, where he does, where he puts Spider Man to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's brilliant as well. And when he pretends to be the the woman covered in a blanket. Oh, that's I hate that. The scream is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it is, horrible. It is. It's like blood curdling, isn't it? And then he pulls it yeah. back. He screams in his face and then punches him. And you, like you said, you feel the punch. So yeah, that is Willem Dafoe for me as well, mate. Um, and then the big one. And I think I know what you're going to say. But how's it aged for you? Fine wine or war crime? I I, th I think it's a fine wine. 
I think there's a there's a couple. I mean, I think the main thing, and you'd see it's it's been addressed now a lot. Let's say take Spider Man in particular. MJ is a much more rounded character now. She's got a lot more autonomy. If yeah. you've been hypercritical, you'd probably say MJ in this is she's just a prop for Peter Parker. It's the same kind of male fantasy. She doesn't really okay. She's got her own dreams and stuff, but she mostly serves as like. A we prize. don't have developed much, do we? No, nah, nah, she's a prize to Peter Parker to try and win, something for her, him and Harry to argue over. And she's, again, the thing that is the threat ha- dangled over Peter Parker. So yes, she, yeah, yeah. she mostly is a total problem. There's, there's, there's one as well, there's one joke that stands out when we're talking about Bonesaw, when he says, lovely costume, did your husband pick it out I for you? I thought that as yeah. well. It's, so it's, that's a bit of a that, cheap one. It was that noughties era of, oh, gay, wasn't it? You know, it's that. <laughs> it's, you, it's, like, and it was just like, well, great shot, does your husband play? That sort yeah, of thing. It's, it's, so there was, there was that, but... I think for the most part, it's a fun film. I don't really, I don't feel that there's kind of much that's particularly grim about it. Do you know what I mean? I, no, I, think I don't it's, think it's badly you know, intentioned. And I don't no. think it's, a lot of it is not, I don't feel like there's much in it where it's punching I mean, down. I, I guess one might say it's it's a, a fairly whitewashed vision of New York as well, probably. Yes. Yeah, that's um, very true. And also quite privileged whitewashed vision as well i mean yeah, yeah. That they're like harry's like oh i've got the flat sorted in the city yeah, you know and yeah. suddenly they're in this massive apartment you're like come on let's be real yeah but but in the most part it seems to be like fairly well-intentioned film and i think a lot of the a lot of the focus is on fairly redeemable stuff things that you kind of watch along and you feel like you can connect with good I think what it what it has at its core is that basic premise of being a good versus evil story, right? Yeah. That they that we talk about the simplicity of it and how effective that is because that's what it is, right? It's 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 you've got the hero's arc of him going through his adversity, him struggling with his own identity and everything, but coming through that and being a good guy and standing up for what's right. And then, like you say, at the end of the movie, you you want to know what happens from that point. They leave you just like desperate to see more, completely desperate to see more. Yeah, and I think um, where I would go on the fine wine thing is the fact that I was able to put it on and it didn't jar at all. I watched no. it back and I just was like, this is exactly how you described it, Jack. It was literally like at the end of a long weekend if i pop this on am i going to sit there and enjoy it and oh my god i it just took me back to being 13 years old or whatever i was at the time swept up in it loved it started thinking about all these little things that that had been around at the time you know sort of yeah a 13 year old kid sitting on msn messenger and films on dvd music on cds that spider-man for me is like very much at the front and center of that that it's, era it's so it's so funny though man it, it, it one of these things i'm just looking at now like spider-man 2 came out in 2004 obviously the first one came out between like i think very tail end of 2001 or early 2002 yeah. and it's just it's funny like how relative time is because like in my head they were so much further apart 
Yeah. But yeah. But like because I think about it like I saw Spider-Man 1 when I was like 16, 17, right? But then by the time Spider-Man 2 came out, a lot's changed in that time. I was already at university. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're like yeah. you're like a young adult at that point. You're in such a different place in your life already. So I, I as much as I, I remember enjoying Spider-Man 2, I don't think you ever not like in the same way. No, and I just think the first one really, really got like you say, I can remember it almost beat for beat, scene for scene. I haven't watched this. I hadn't watched this. I would say, honestly, I probably haven't watched this film in 10 plus years. Yeah, right? I think I'm the same. But I watched it so many times growing up. And when I did watch it this time, like you say, with every single scene, I just remembered it. It was like replaying again in my head. I was like, yes, this is great. This is fantastic. And I don't think I would say that of the second one. I don't think I remember it as like acutely but i still I'm gonna enjoyed watch it, it you know i'm gonna yeah, watch so, it yeah, this yeah. week i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a watch of it and, and report back yeah um give me the ratings what have we got right let's have a look so we do imdb first right spider-man 2002 <laughs> spider-man i should say 7.4 on the old imdb so that's a good start that's that's like decent right for IMDb. Yeah, yeah, that is that is yeah. Sp- they are they're tough, aren't they? Like they're tough cookies. Let's have a look. Spider Man two thousand two. <sighs> come on, come on. There's so many bloody Spider Man films that it's <laughs> hard to find the one from on Rotten Tomatoes. This is. Let's get it up. Oh wow. 90% certified fresh yeah, on Rotten that. Tomatoes. Audience score 67%, but recency bias, I think, on that yeah, one. Yeah, probably because there's so many little... Yeah, I was about to be really critical of people that are big fans of Marvel. Little bloody kids, right? <laughs> Scruds. Um, Spider-Man, let's see Spider-Man. Okay, again, there's a lot to have to search through. But Metacritic, 73% on Metacritic. So decent, yeah, decent, but yeah, ninety percent on uh, no negative reviews, a few mixed reviews, no badge. Um, so no badge, no badge at all. But it got badge on Rotten Tomatoes, so you know a good one. And I mean, I I think for me it's at least a four popcorns out of five. Yeah, it's not four and a half. You know? I think it, I think it's coming in at four and a half for me. Yeah. I'm not going to claim that it's like the perfect film because we've had no. some absolutely phenomenal films that will stay with this won't stay with me right I've watched this and it's been a lovely week it's not like when I sat down for the first time and watched Inception say and then every time I watch Inception afterwards I'll be like oh god that or when I watched Pulp Fiction back this time Jesus that was just so thought provoking but it's been a it's been a dream to kind of get to re-experience this again um just like i was first the first time i watched it so it's been lovely for at least four yeah four to four and a half popcorns for me yeah big time right mate i mean this is this is the the point of the podcast once again that i think most and this is something i get feedback from like people are like i'm genuinely on that journey with you i get so excited to find out what the next film what is it's gonna be love and it and i i i get buzzing mate when it's not me that has to choose when that pressure isn't on i get so excited about what what our kind of assignment is gonna be yeah you're ready i am mate you, have you, i hope you've got your little intro scripted for for, for the music so i haven't got it i'm gonna try and riff it but Go on, then. I 
went through my list so i've got an absolute monster list now and again i tried to go through and be like what have we done and what have we not done what's a kind of theme that we haven't gone after and bear in mind we've done now we've gone superhero we've done disney we've done hot sort of psychological thriller um and i was like this film probably doesn't fall into any of the categories that we've had so far um and i'm thinking brad pitt oh jason statham this week i'm gonna go for snatch oh mate wow (laughs) wow what a choice yeah like and this is another one right where it is like whacking on an old pair of jeans get it on and just sort of and just like there is i'm sure there's going to be some problematic shit that we're going to need to go into i'm sure there's going to be some kind of very hot takes from us both but at the same time as a film experience it is tough to top snatch you know when you just put a film on and go sunday afternoon lesbian avenue it is oh mate i'm looking forward to that i haven't watched that in a long time either (laughs) me neither like i I, i'm sort of absolute like it popped up recently and i was like i haven't done that in ages and i sort of watched a few bits and i was like right i'm gonna need to uh gonna need to recommend this one for the pod yes yes i'm bang up for that man bang up for yeah. that. and if, if you watching or listening at home are bang up for that as well let us know come on let us know get in touch should, with us across one of the many platforms right should we let people know on the handles at byob pod should we push that out earlier this week do you think to let people know to be like right here's what you need to watch let us know tell us when we should tell people because mm. we had we had a couple of really good dms didn't we where people being like look do it like a book club so we can get along get along mm. with you sort of thing so maybe we'll maybe we can try something this week to sort of give people a nod a little bit earlier or something we'll, t- we'll, we'll have a conflab that's the word yeah. isn't it? <laughs> we'll touch base us creatives yeah yeah amazing but- Mate, Pleasure as always, Spider Man. That was sick. Yeah, I know. Oh, mate, I'm glad you enjoyed it because, uh, like I say, warm and fuzzies. That one. Like, yeah, lovely, absolutely lovely. Film. Took me right what a back. Film. Uh, buzzing for next week, mate. Indeed, indeed. Let's get it on. See you next time. <laughs>